Welcome to Yella Mensa, exploring cross-centered contextual justice in the South African context. Yella Mensa is a ministry of Isabambano, Center for Biblical Justice. I'm your host, David Kluter, and with me is my man, your man, John hey. Skipper. Hey, everybody. Good to in be with house, you. In the house, in the yeah. house, in the and house. I'm very excited about this one. I'm are very you, are excited. Are you very excited? I've been waiting for this one, yeah. Dude, this this is a big one, and this for me is, 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 is all learning and soaking and taking in a whole uh-huh. lot so you guys better be listening because this there's a lot of stuff coming there's a lot of stuff coming uh today we have two very special guests in the studio uh two wonderful ladies uh denny musachi Hi. and uh alexa matthews hello hello, hello everyone <laughs> And both of these ladies are from Arise. If you don't know the names, these ladies are from Arise because they're big. They've been traveling South Africa. They've been doing a lot of things. They've been on radio, yeah. all kinds of things. Because I follow them on social right, media. Right, right. So I've been I've been in the know about what right. what's been going on. Welcome to Yellow Mensa. Uh, and uh, today we're going to talk about a very important, a very big subject, and it's a topic of adoption, mm. and especially about transracial adoption. But before we're going to get in there, I have one announcement, one massive announcement to make. Our next Justice and Theology Forum is happening on Thursday, the 12th of September. Mm-hmm. And it's in the evening. In the evening. Once again, because some of you have been sending us a lot of inboxes, messages. Some of those people are in, this, yes, in the studio yes. today. Yes. <laughs> like, Because why is it always in the morning? We yeah. never get to attend these things. Grumbling. Grumbling. grumbling yes, yes, yes. The yes. word you're looking for, grumbling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or seen for yellow. <laughs> It wasn't me. It wasn't me. <laughs> okay, okay. That, that's Alexa saying yeah. it wasn't her. But usually when they say it wasn't me, we, we know. We know. Yeah. We know. Okay, yeah. so guys, um, so check us out on um, Thursday the 12th, our next Justice and Theology Forum, the, uh, Thursday the 12th of September. And it's in the evening and it's happening at 1900 hours. Mm. And it's going to happen at Gangstar Cafe in Mowbray. Mm-hmm. Gangstar Cafe in Mowbray. And the topic is? And the topic is, uh, what is the topic? (laughs) (laughs) Colonial Mother City being black in Cape Town with Cameron Shibango from Red Post Church. Yep, yep, yep. So this is a big one because there's a lot of black professionals and people in the city and lots of other people, just people of color, uh, uh, having a different experience about the city that... Uh, if you're if you're a white person, that you may not be, mm. you don't know about it, right? Or you may think you know about it, but mm. it's it's very different from mm. from a lot of how a lot of people of color experience it in the city. Yeah, that's, that's important. We, we're gonna we're gonna get into into that. Yeah, uh, on social media, we've already had some interesting responses, Mm-mm. and we're looking forward to have some more. Guys, let's get into this. Uh, welcome again, Danny and Alexa. Uh, won't you tell us about yourself and your faith journey and a little bit also about Arise and your work there? Great. Um, I'm Danny. Um, I'm actually the director of Arise. Mm-hmm. I started out as the social worker of Arise and kind of worked my way up, I think. Um, and so I've been trusted with the privilege of being the director of Arise. Brilliant. And so mm-hmm. I, just to tell you a little bit more about Arise, um, we believe that every child is created by God to be in a thriving family. Amen. And so based sure. on that belief, we work in two spheres. One is that we work with existing families, trying to strengthen them through our various interventions, through group work and some individual intake, as well as walking a journey with families. Mm, This is mm -hmm. not an easy fix, but it's really just walking a journey with those families. Mm, And on mm. the second sphere is we know that we don't live in an ideal world, Mm. and there are children that don't have families. And so we advocate for permanency for our children in this country through adoption. And so we do adoption supports and um, education around how you as parents need to equip yourselves to be the best parents so that your children can thrive. Sure. Yeah, and so I just absolutely love my job. I just feel like I'm so blessed. Um, Mm. It's been a long journey. Um, I grew up in a single parent home in Cape Town. So as a colored woman growing in Cape Town, it wasn't easy. And I struggled with many things um, in my relationship with my father in particularly. So Christianity was not what I wanted. Right. Um, (laughs) You know, who is this father who supposedly loved me unconditionally when I don't have a father who who loves me in my life? So I became a Christian when I was 13 years old, which was the best time to become a Christian. Um, And yeah, and from there, I just had this call of empowering people and for people to really know the hope and love of our father. And so I feel like the two have 
have collided mm. so beautifully mm. that I can tell kids who are going through very similar um, questions in their head, who mm. is God? Who is God the Father? And why does he love me when I'm suffering? Right. Um, and so I have this privilege of sharing the message of Jesus. Wow. Yeah. That's, 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 that's beautiful. Mm. Mm. Alexa? So I am Alexa. I am... A little bit about myself. I'm a mom of two beautiful boys. Mm-hmm. I chose to grow my family through adoption. So mm-hmm. that's a little bit of a personal thing. But I am also the adoption advocacy manager at Arise and right. social worker and faith therapist. And there's a whole dream that's still busy unfolding in that space. Mm. I I was someone who chose adoption because I never really had a desire to be pregnant, but I always had a desire to be a mother. Right. And so this mm-hmm. felt like this was... And I think God made me this way, to be quite honest, because I clearly remember in my 20s having conversations with friends who (laughs) said to me that they couldn't couldn't imagine parenting a child that they didn't give birth to. And I was like, well, you choose to love. Like, you choose to love people you marry. You choose to love your community. Like, if you're going to love, you choose to love. Like, I don't really mind who grew the baby as such. That sounds terribly clumsy. But if I'm going to be a mother, then I choose to love. And right. you need to choose to love because some days are really hard, regardless <laughs> yeah. of how your children mm-hmm. come to you. Amen. Yeah. So Amen. I think that's that's pretty much that's the space and the scope of my Arise space. Wow. How I landed at Arise is also a total God story because mm. I'm passionate about seeing families thrive. Right. Regardless of how they formed or where mm. they live, whether you're in Bishop's Court or Bishop's Lavis, you should be having the same mm-hmm. input and the same intentional input and the same quality of input. Mm. And I'm also passionate about adoption, which I have been mm. since I was young. Right. And so I sent a little email off to Arise earlier this year, and God brought these two things together, oh, wow. something I never wow. thought would ever happen. Um, yeah, meantime, Alexa didn't know I was praying from <laughs> two, since I met her in 2015 that she would come on board as a team. Oh, wow. Really. I see. Wow. Um, and so, so wow. the team knows that I've been wanting Alexa to come on board, and it's just been Praise amazing. God. Yeah, right. Praise God. <laughs> Right. The Lord so, answers prayer. Yeah. 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 So as I'm sitting here blushing a little bit, <laughs> uh, I grew up in a Christian home. I mm-hmm. come from a family where I can honestly say my parents have modeled for me what justice looks like, oh, what it looks like to be in spaces in the 90s and 80s. We were going into communities where police were watching people going into communities because wow. white people, black people and colored people really shouldn't have been sitting around the same fire, literally, exactly. mm-hmm. which is what we were doing. And that's thanks to my mom and dad. And so yes. I've grown up <clears throat> understanding... Yeah. That God is in the spaces. Yeah, yeah. And so I grew up, but again, just because you're in a car doesn't make you a garage. Nice traditional yep, Christian yep. metaphor. And <laughs> made a commitment to Jesus on my own when I was 14. Right. It hasn't been a straight, smooth path. I'm a little bit Seldom of a rebel. <laughs> so some days I was like, God, where are you actually? And right. But I have never lost sight. I know that with God, life is always makes more sense in a yeah. time, regardless of where I've been in the story. Right, right. And I think that in terms of what... God has done is that he's brought all the themes and threads together in the most beautiful way. Sure. I've now landed, I really feel like I've landed with my bum in the butter, to be quite honest. Oh, wow. In the middle sure. of Hederfeld, who knew? Sure. <laughs> so, oh. As a white yeah. Cape Tonian, who yeah. knew Hederfeld was <laughs> where the theme comes yeah. through. Yeah. So. Lord wow, works in mysterious ways. <laughs> the Lord works in mysterious ways. Yeah. Guys, guys, I, I'm just I'm just thrown by, by the fact that, you know, and I follow you guys on, on social media and I try to read up as much as I can about some of the articles and things that you guys put out. I just, for me, it's just, it's not something new, but it's just something that just came at me now and this holistic work that you guys are doing. Mm. Because in, in, in our minds, people looking at eyes, our eyes, we see kids, we often just think adoption. Mm. Right. And that's the one thing we, we think about when you think about eyes. But you yep. guys, there's such a massive holistic space mm. and sphere of, of, of areas and things that you guys are involved in. But I want to I focus um, just quickly with this question, I want I want us to come back to this whole idea of adoption because yeah. that's that's something that you guys mm. are involved in. Yes. Uh, can you uh, tell us a little bit more about about that specifically and at the work that you guys are involved in about adoption and mm-hmm. the process and support of adoption? Yeah, so we're not an adoption agency. Mm-hmm. Okay. We don't do Very the important. process. Okay. So please, mm-hmm. if you're looking to adopt and wanting to know the process, we don't do that, but we know wonderful organizations that we have partnered with that Brilliant. we will be able to show mm-hmm. you the direction where to go. Our biggest thing is that we want children to thrive and we want children to have permanency. And it's really important that children have stability in their lives. And so what we have realized over the years is that there is this need for adoption. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not a great thing to say because we want children to be with their families. Um, But we know that that's not possible for all children. So where adoption is possible, we really advocate that parents need to equip themselves to Mm. understand. Love is not enough. 
Yeah. Despite what the textbooks <laughs> yes. from the 80s what? and the 90s say. <laughs> what? I, I textbooks that uh, yes. say that, those textbooks are wrong. Look, I'm just <laughs> telling you, like, my Sheesh. entire pop music history is just being, like, destroyed here. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So Love is not the enough. The are funky, <laughs> but they're not, yeah. yes. they're not a good academic, well-evidence-based research process. No. Uh, I'm sure. Yeah, so, so that is from a rise yeah. point of view. Love yeah. is not enough when it comes to adoption. Mm. You mm-hmm. need to understand how you need to equip yourself as parents. Mm. A child has been formed into uh, their mother's womb and there's a bond there. Mm. And so when they are removed from that mother, there's a whole lot of things that are going on in your child's mind. Even when you get your child from a baby, because that's what what we've always been asked, your child is going to grieve. And there yes. is loss oh. in adoption. It's true. And for you as an adoptive parent, there's also grief yeah. and loss. And then there's the, the birth family. parents as well, that there's grief and loss. And that's what we call the adoption triad. Right. And we need to understand everyone who's involved in adoption, mm. there is grief and loss. Yeah. And there's yeah. work that we need to do is how do you attach to your child? And then identity. Yeah. We live in South Africa, and yep. we know that there is still inequality in this yeah, country. Yeah. There's race issues. Yep. And if you are a white parent or a black parent or a color parent that are adopting um, uh, children who are not of the same race, yep. you need to do a lot of work. A lot of work. A lot of work. A lot of work. Yeah. I'll say that as the other parents <laughs> around the mm. table. Mm. Mm. A lot nice. of work. Yeah, yeah. Well. So, so, and and yeah. so that's what we do. And one of our, yeah. our big events is our adoption conferences. Yeah. Um, we're having uh, one in Cape Town this year on the 7th of September and then in Gauteng um, on the 5th of October. <laughs> um, and that's a place where really you get a foundation mm. of learning as yeah. prospective parents and parents who haven't really learned through your journey, you get to refresh right. yourselves in this mm. um, and ask questions. And even if you have biological children and you wanting to adopt, right. there's uh. also work that you got to do there. Just because you are have already a, a yes. parent, you still need to do the work yeah. in, in terms of including your adoptive child in your family. Mm. And yep. so what's great about the adoption conference is you have professionals, a social worker, psychologist, agency members mm. who come and give talks, but also you have an opportunity to learn from people who've walked through that journey through testimonies yeah. and, and adoptees themselves. I think that's cute. Um, mm-hmm. Just speaking yeah. about their journey. I and mean, we need to learn. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes we need to be quiet and, yeah. and just listen to the people who've walked this journey yeah. um, already. Yeah. Yeah. Can I just say that I will put all the details about the adoption conference Great. in the block below the podcast on whatever you're listening. Yeah. So mm-hmm. get in touch or get in touch, or find out, check out our rise on social media. We'll also put the details of that below in the podcast, in the block. Yeah. yeah I, can I? Yeah. Add, so I think the other challenge in South Africa is also is that depending on the process and the social worker that yeah. you go through, mm-hmm. everybody has different processes in yeah. terms of preparation. Yeah. Absolutely. And so you might get hooked into one part of the prep process or maybe your social worker is passionate on one part and there's mm. a whole lot of stuff. And what the RISE conference specifically tries right. to do is that we try to get all the key points that need to be spoken about. Yeah. So attachment, Grief sure. and loss, like Danny's referenced, what it means to be a transracial slash conspicuous family in mm-hmm. South Africa well, from both yes. perspectives, all the perspectives. We're also talking this year specifically around infertility and adoption right? because there's a different journey and mm-hmm. resolution that needs to happen there. And then also if you want to adopt as a single person, what does that look right. like? And I think yeah. that's another important question because that's we good. see yeah. an emerging, yeah, yeah, yeah. not just yeah. mothers, there are dads out there choosing adoption wow. as single fathers. Yeah, that's true. And so we're seeing a lot of that and not just white adoptive parents. There's, yeah. if you go and Google, there's a black adoptive dad who's actually shared his story. I'm looking at David's scrunching up his face and you're going, wow, <laughs> go and Google this. Yeah. But we are seeing this more and more. And so wow. what does that mean? What does that process look sure. like? Yeah. And those are questions that we want to be able to support mm. parents because mm. if we're offering parents support, we are we're mm. funneling and getting skills in place and not mm. just theory, sure. but practical skills. Mm. Yes. That's yeah. the other part is that what is the skills transfer needed? Yeah. So that we giving you yeah. not more information but actually mm. applied information how do you apply it and, yeah, and that's is. also where our workshops come in so right, we yeah. do quarterly workshops right. uh, for um, post adoption supports right. really so um, for example our one is this evening actually is about adoption and trauma right. and how do you how do you discuss that and how right. do you equip yourself as a parent yeah. because your children are going to go through challenges absolutely mm-hmm. any child mm-hmm. but especially children that yeah. have been adopted and the trauma that they've experienced and how do you equip yourself as mm. a parent to support that child yeah, yeah. I love yeah. what you I love what you're saying um, I don't know if many of the listeners know this but I'm actually adoptive parent and so I love what you're saying just about preparing yourself and being yeah. equipped 
um, because there are things that we just cannot know. No matter how much you love your children, no matter what your good intentions are, no matter what your educational background is. So, for instance, myself as a white person can never understand what it is. There are, there are crucial aspects that I don't know what it's like yeah. to be a black man in South Africa. I, I, I physically can't. It's just the way it is. But how can I prepare myself? Because I'm, But I'm raising two young men who are who are increasingly becoming black South African men. And what are that? that they're seen as black men. They're not yeah. seen no. as jo- the white father's oh, yeah. child. No one's saying, who's your Oh, you're adopted. Okay, that's <laughs> different. No, yeah. and so they will be judged. They will be, how do you actually prepare yourself? And we kind of sometimes want to have love as this airy-fairy thing. Yeah. But actually mm. for me to love my children, for instance, is really means doing a lot of hard work to prepare myself mm. and love, help them uh, to, to interact with society in the best way possible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You guys, you guys mentioned um, the whole South African context because that's where we are. And that's what we're talking about. Um, there's, there's this phrase, and and what people often talk about is the orphan crisis. And I say this within quotes: orphan yes. crisis. <laughs> How accurate I- is that? And and do we do we have statistics around the number of orphan children and those in institutional care? Like. So uh, after seeing your semi-structured interview, I went and spoke to a friend of mine who is, she's actually our partner in Joburg for our adoption conference right. this year, Bev Bierkes from Aces Haven, just to mm-hmm. confirm. And we're looking at 1.5, chil- 1.5 million, million children wow. that are, would benefit from adoption as an option. Wow. We say that, but one of the things that, that make it a bit tricky is also that those children would benefit their own care. They have no contact with their first or biological family, but right. we know that there are massive delays and backlogs in our system and yeah. our child right. protection system. Right. So adoption is also a child protection issue because keeping mm-hmm. children in institutionalized care doesn't benefit the right. child. We know that children thrive in families. They thrive right. from needing to be belong from belonging. They thrive from, from mm-hmm. having a, I think Tilly Martinsella said it brilliantly when she said, you know, adoption gives you wings, even if your roots are different from the original roots. Sure, that's nice, yeah. Which mm. is a lovely way of thinking yeah. about yeah. it. Whereas yeah. in an institution, you don't necessarily, you get Mm-mm. institutionalized culture. And that's Absolutely. It. Yeah. And so, yes, transracial adoption has all its complexity that comes with it. But there are wings that you can give right. into your children's world and right. space. And right. so I think, you you know, some of the factors that have led to what we're seeing is that we have fractured communities. Right. We we referenced the justice issue earlier in South Africa and the race well, issue. We right, cannot right. talk about race and poverty in our country as exclusive concepts. Part wow. of our poverty in this country is race-driven. Yes. Why? Because of our history. Yeah. yeah. And it's too easy to say, you know, we're so many years down the line. Why is it mm. still like that? Yeah. yeah. I, I would invite you to take yeah. a drive around exactly. any of the communities that were right. forced to be created right. as yeah. a consequence of right. apartheid and then ask the question again. Yes. Right. So it's not a mistake that yeah. most... Children in care and no. uh, needing adoption, coming from these kind of broken circumstances, no. are black, are black. and colored. Yep. It's yeah. not a mistake. It's not a mistake. Often, it didn't just no. happen. No. Yeah. And most people often will say to you, it's because proportionally our race and our demo, and it's not. It's, it's not a demographics breakdown. Right. It is. It's where our poverty, when we look at the majority of adoptions in South Africa, are either through abandonment or poverty relinquishments where yeah. the others are known. And we need to have mm. those conversations. Right. And that's part of the work that I really believe as adoptive parents mm. and prospective adoptive parents and as a church community we need to be talking about. Right. Yeah. Right. Because if we're not having those conversations, then then what are we doing actually yeah. in mm. the space? That's yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah, and we see, we're seeing it in, in our family center as well. Mm. We're seeing the brokenness of families. Yeah. And that is why RISE is so uniquely positioned. We truly believe in family preservation and, f- right. and strengthening families. Yeah. Um, otherwise, our families just continue this broken cycle. Right. And our yeah. kids just continue being removed and putting in institutional care. And we know by statistics there's not enough adoption and permanency for our children right. just last year only 1130 yeah. adoptions took place sure. the year before so it was 2000 and it was so that's 2000. still so few, it's dropping yeah. every it's year dropping. now oh, right. and so if we're not going to the root of the right. issue if we're not going mm. why are families choosing to relinquish right. their parent why are we not doing enough to keep parents and their mothers with their babies why right. are we not doing that right because right. it's easier sometimes to go oh it's the cute baby oh. and we can look after that cute baby right. but that cute baby grows up oh yeah and then they look at a 10 year old 12 year old black colored child yeah. and they get judged Absolutely. for who they are based on their race and yeah. i know that being a colored yeah. woman and so we're going and we find out a lot of the time if adoptive parents are not doing the work. It's yeah. this is hard. There's something wrong. We're not attaching to this child. So we sure. pathologize the child. 
And then the child is seen as the problem and not as the parents. And we're hearing scary, scary stories of adoptive parents going, actually, we can't have this child anymore. Well, yeah. We know that. This is happening. How how long down the the process? We we recently learned of a story of a 14-year-old being put back into institutional care. After how many years of being with the parents? Seven years. Oh, my word. Yes. We know know people. And I I get, I'm very passionate about this because I started in statutory work Mm -hmm. and I've seen, I've removed children, I've placed children in foster care, I've placed children up for adoption. And to be honest, this is why I love Arise because we have not gotten to the root cause of the issue. Mm. We are not working with parents and families in our communities that need to be strengthened. And unfortunately, our adoptive parents are not doing the work. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so what I—it's I, interesting. I'm hearing you. I'm hearing you saying as well is that as important as adoption is, yeah. it's not our first. It's not the. It's, it's a symptom of a far bigger problem. Yes. And yeah. so we need adoptions because yes. actually we need to deal with, in one sense, the victims of broken systems. Yes. But actually, we also need to go back and look at broken systems. Yes. Is, is that, is that what I'm hearing? So it's yes. a both and story. Exactly. And I think the other part of the thing is that there are oh. adoption has been around. Forever. Exactly. Like, uh, we're not saying adoption is this new thing because yeah. of a partner. So not. please don't mishear us and yeah. misquote us ever on that. <laughs> but what we are saying is that there are always going to, there have always been women that have chosen to relinquish sure. or care for someone, get someone else to care for their children for whatever reason. Yeah. Right. But where we are looking at it for socioeconomic reasons and justice reasons mm-hmm. and, and traumatic and trauma reasons. Yes. And, and we're seeing, we're seeing headlines all the time. Baby was recently found in one of our Cape Town suburbs in a bin. Yeah. There was a baby found floating in Miesenberg Beach, like newborns oh. that are in packets. What oh. is going on that those women are in the position yes. that they are to make that choice? Yeah. Yes. And it's not all drug related. Like, yeah. I think that's no. the other thing. I mean, I can tell a story. Actually, you know, at the end of last year, I got a call from a mom who thought we were an adoption agency okay. and wanted to put um, their child up for adoption. Right. And she phoned, and I could hear over the phone the baby sucking on her breast. Oh, wow. And I said, how old is your baby? And she said, two months old. I came from the Eastern Cape, but when I came here, my boyfriend wants nothing to do with me, and I have nothing. I have absolutely nothing. I have no place to live. And I said, okay, where are you now? And she said, I'm I'm in Port Elizabeth. And thank goodness I have amazing friends that I I know in Port Elizabeth. And I said, you know, I just don't think – Adoption is what you're thinking about. Wow. I don't think this is what you want. I can be wrong, but it seems like you're just in a hard place and you just need support. Right. And she said yes, and she just broke down crying. Wow. And I said, you know what? I'm going to put you in contact with a social worker I know in Port Elizabeth that we mm. can get you that help. Sure. I phoned my friend. She got a family from a church to put up this mom in their little granny flat at the back. And sure. they supported her with her yeah. child wow. until she could go on and be on her own mm-hmm. with her baby boy. And that is what we yes. And that's not a once at. story. I've got that's friends that did the same thing in Cape Town. Sure. Yeah. There was a call put out for a house of safety, a place of safety parents. Right. They met the mom who was in crisis and made a decision. They swapped houses with other friends to sure. get into a bigger space. And as a consequence, in fact, this mom and baby are some of my neighbors now. Yeah. So when I go running, I see them. Right. As a consequence of that, this mom and baby were never separated. They helped this mom get into right. the career space that she was actually right. she had trained yeah. in rather than right. working as someone's domestic. Right. And so there's other ways of doing this. Right. It just means a little bit more work. And I think the problem is also we want to bad mouth these birth yes. moms. Yes. yes. Like how terrible what? they are. Oh, they are they no. on drugs and yeah. they don't care. But these are your children's birth mothers. Mm. And no one, no woman dreams of having an adoption plan for your children yeah. when you, like when you're dreaming about your world one day. Right. There's yeah, no yeah. little girl that grows up thinking one day I want to make an adoption plan for my child. Sure. And you, you, even, I mean, I'm just thinking, like even you're saying like, even if people are on drugs and stuff, people don't just go on drugs. No. Like there's a big complex and there's socioeconomic, yes. there's yeah. family breakdown, there's all sorts yeah. of things. And let's and we would be remiss to say that the breakdown in our communities, the fact that drugs, for instance, is such a scourge on the Cape Flats is an accident. It I mean it's not to say it's not other places, but that's also social engineering. It's yeah. it's come yeah. about by that. So even then we're going we we're seeing that things are not as simple as like, oh shame, here's a cute baby. Let's adopt them. Yeah. Like, how do we look at this whole process holistically? Because even as you're talking, and you, you're saying like how we can keep families together. Because I think what also that does on the other end is that the, the, the children that really need adoptions don't get stuck in the system. Yes. That they're actually freed up to be adopted by families who are able to care for them rather than having this backlog. 
because children who don't need to be in the system end up being in the system. We are yeah. 50,000 social workers short in South Africa. Oh, 50,000. Yes. 50, 50, 50, you didn't hear me wrong. 50, so 50K. Wow. <laughs> yeah. quotes a kid so, that I yeah. So just looking at stats, right, That's in crazy. terms of our population in right. this country, we have about 19 million children in this country. Right. And it doesn't matter in terms of where socioeconomic. And out of that, we have only recently, when I looked online, about 33,000 social workers registered wow. practicing in this country. Wow. Wow. So I think it's 57% yeah. of children don't live with their biological families in South Africa. Sure. 50? 57%. 57%. That's more than half our children. Don't live with yes. their biological And is that including extended families? and? So, so that's what it is. So 57% of our children who don't live with their families are biological families are living with an aunt, okay. a grand, no, extended. Um, extended families or a neighbor. But okay. the work that we're doing in terms of family preservation, we work with any kind of yeah, family. Yeah, yeah. And we re we're realizing more and more the stuff that we're talking about adoption is actually happening in our community. Yeah, happening for years. So, yeah. you know, so even though a grandmother is looking after their, their grandchildren, yeah. there's still grief and loss for that child exactly. who has Where's no... Where's my mom? Yeah. yeah. Where's, Where's my, my mom? Where's my dad? I've never yep. seen. Right. And we, yeah. have, we have children living on the Cape Flats who, you know, see their mother walk past them. Yes, Shh, and don't I've even say hi. Yeah, I've heard of this. You know, so right. how do you navigate that as mm. a, a primary caregiver? Right. Because adoption, so I'm going to say something very controversial as the director of RISE. <laughs> adoption know. in terms of the term and the way we're understanding is a very white term. Yeah. Ooh. I think adoption in terms of colored and black communities, we do that anyway. Yes, you yes, know, when that's good. I, I think about my family and I think about the kids that are yeah. my cousins who are not really my cousins. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. Because it's like this neighbor can't really look after this kid. Can you look oh, after this yeah. child? Or Even if it's for a help. season. Even yeah. if it's a temporary foster, yes. informal fostering. It's been I mean, for hundreds exactly. of years. Yeah. So yeah. adoption in, in terms of South Africa mm. looks so different, different. and so yep. complex. Right. Um, but in terms of that legal process, yes more white people do that yes. process than yes. black and colored people. Right. Now, now, I know that many, and over the past like 10 years or so, um, I had a little birdie chip, uh, that, that many, there's, there's this thing going around and saying that many white and multi, uh, you know, ethnic cultural churches hmm. are pushing on uh, along the lines of adoption hmm. as if that is the approach. And what I'm hearing you guys are saying is that there's so much more to this in mm. terms of what the church needs to do and how the church needs to get behind this whole process in terms of what on the ground, what on, what on earth are we actually doing as the church? Mm. What is our response to what's happening? And I sure. want to get back to this. this let that mull in your okay. head a little bit because you, you did bring up the whole white I've thing. I've so much to say about that. I, I, that's <laughs> so, I'm like, do no, I say no, something yes, now because yes. I have so just, much to say about that? Just pause. about this and, okay. and come, to, come, come to that as you answer this one as well. Uh, talk about transracial adoption. Sure. Transracial adoption. Uh, the whole idea of transracial adoption has come under, uh, you know, scrutiny. A lot of people mm. have different you know, yeah. views about what, what that is all about uh, and what the church pushing for this. And it's often coming from, as you say, uh, formally it's, it's you know, white families and white individuals and people who usually adopt. And it seems like, yo, where's, where's the black people in this, mm. in this whole equation? And what are they, what are they doing? And so this transracial adoption, um, what is, what is it? How do you, how do we process that? I think that when it comes to transracial adoption in South Africa, we are asking people to actually do the work of looking at our story in South Africa. Mm -hmm. Sure. And the other part of the story is people then start unpacking what is transracial because we don't even know what culture our child it's, was originally. I'm sure you've uh, heard this, John. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Like Especially when we have no history, no right. known history for the mm. children that families are choosing right. to say yes to. So the other part of the story I just want to add here quickly is that in adoption, ethical adoption social workers are not looking for children for families. They're looking for families for children. Right. And that's that's a critical part of the story as well mm. because mm. otherwise it becomes a sausage factory of here's a family, they want children, here's a child, match. Exactly. That's not how it's supposed to work. Supposed to. I'm saying supposed to because right. we know that things right. don't always work the way that they are supposed to. Yeah. So, <laughs> Sadly. There's a lot of supposes there. Yeah. <laughs> it's the most <laughs> diplomatic way I can say that right now. <laughs> 
So I think there are certain dangers inherent in transracial adoption. Yeah. One of these mm. is the whole colorblind, love is enough. Oh. Like, this is just my child. Why do I need to raise them differently? Why do I need to ask different questions? I'm going to stick my my child, my black child, whose hair looks different, whose skin is different, whose skin's right. ashy when he rolls in the sand. Right. To the point that I now take cream to school when I pick up my four-year-old because I know I'm going to get side-eyed in the shop right. at the end of preschool because right. he is gray, not, <laughs> not beautiful brown anymore. Right. So... We have that going on. We have parents who think that the transracial adoption, the only thing that you need to worry about is your child's hair. And so they're not asking questions around, where is your child going to school? Who is your child seeing? What people of color are in your child's world? Who is helping your child navigate spaces you can't navigate? So I come from a diverse community. Yeah. Um, My my children's godparents are... Both my children have got godparents or people of color. Why? Mm. Because there's stuff that those people can take my children through that I, as a white mother, my husband's also white, we can't do that work because we've never had to do that work. And we're going to have blind spots in that. And the other part of it is as if we are looking at all of this and we're getting stuck on just like the simple, easy fix parts of transracial Mm -hmm. adoption, like we've loved a child that that should be enough. We don't allow children to understand what it means to to bridge both worlds. When my son walks in, I'm raising two future black men and my oldest child is going to be a big man. I am already looking at like where do we live because on the neighborhood watch I don't want my kids to be playing soccer in the street exactly. and everyone goes these hooligans and wearing a hoodie let's not forget the hoodies in winter yeah, yeah. and then my like son loves there's hoodies, black yeah. hoodie kids in the street when actually that's your neighbor yeah and and those are the questions we need to be asking and I think too often I've seen mm. families or people will tell me a school is diverse but then I go and look at who's sitting on their parent body and exactly. their parent body is not diverse yeah. so adoptive versus non-adoptive children is not diverse. Yes. Like, yes. That's a key thing. Who is yes. on your SGB at school? The, the figures are, of authority. Your figures of authority. Yeah, Who yeah. are the teachers? I heard a story recently where a 10-year-old asked his dad if he had to be a cleaner when he grew up. Wow. And this 10-year-old is in a diverse space, but yeah. he hadn't been... Those like, are the only people, yeah. That, that was, and that's these it. people are in a diverse space. It's not yeah. that they're not in a diverse community, that they've got lots of black and colored friends. Yeah. But in this kid, he was busy filtering through his world. Yeah. Yeah. Um. My son, who's four, has heard things said around him. We've had a really painful experience recently yeah. where he heard someone say that brown people are lazy and don't do anything wow, and he doesn't want sure. to have brown skin. He's four. Have you? I mean, well, it's interesting because you get that. I mean, I get that. We've had that experience yeah. as well. Okay. From people like, you know, family, friends, mm-hmm. extended family. And people make those comments and then you, I, I've challenged them. I said, you know you're talking about my children. No, no, we're not talking about no, your they children. they are the better black because yeah, they yes. have white parents. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm, going, yes. and I'm going, oh, no, 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 no. My, my sons are black. They are black men. And when you talk about, they're not like excluded. That's who they are. And so when you yeah. say that, you're talking, talking about, about them. Yep. And so... so Exactly. So what are you saying? So And that's the work, John. Yeah. That's the work of like, how do we as parents, so my son and I spoke about how he wanted to manage it because I need him to know that he right. can come to me and mom needs to honor how he chooses yeah, to manage yeah. this. Yeah. But I also need to have his back and speak to the mess. Yes. Yeah, and yes. it was really painful. Like I wept, he wept, Shame my husband wept because he is four. Like he's supposed Ugh. to be chasing dinosaurs up trees yeah. in yeah. imagination yeah. land, yes. obviously. <laughs> but, but that brings the highlight of, of what we say as a rise. You know, we live in a race-conscious world. Mm. And yeah. you would be a fool yeah. to raise children of a different race to not understand Stand that. Yeah. And it is your, your responsibility as a, as a parent to take deliberate action yeah. and mm. conscious thought mm. about how you're going to raise yeah. a yes. child of a different race. Yeah. And, and we are very, very firm on that yes. um, because we hear these stories. Yeah. And your, no. your loyalty belongs to your child. Wow. Exactly. Yes. And yeah. so when that grandpa yeah. says a racist auntie, thing yes. or the uncle, yeah. you, you need to be able to go, that is enough, and, and yeah. put the boundaries. Yeah. Because and you need to be on your child's, child's. Exactly. On your child's and side. And it's not always the obvious racist stuff. That stuff's easy oh, to yes. pick up. It's yeah, the yeah. subtle stuff. It's yes. the like, oh, look around and make sure no one knows. You know, yeah. that must be his cross of blood because he sleeps so much. Yeah, yeah. Because oh, obviously all cross of people are lazy. Wow. Like we've witnessed Sheesh. those kind of conversations yeah, where, and when word. you call it, it out, happens, yeah. Yeah. and it happens, no, and I mean, people don't realize that yeah. that's racist. So, I mean, yes. recently we had a conversation with adoptees. Yeah. And, and adoptees of color are saying it is possible for white racist parents to adopt. Oh, it's undoubtedly. Yeah. So, Yep. So, I'm just so, putting that out yeah, there. I'm, I'm going to say because I mean, look There's because, a lot yes. of hand throwing <laughs> yes. going on right now. Yes. I think no, the yeah, I'm, getting, I'm, I'm getting. For me, for me, one of the interesting things is, and I'm, I'm because I know 
you know, white parents who've adopted um, transracially and they have, and so their, their kids are black and they're in a family, but they're the only black people in their social groups, in their churches, often, sadly enough, sometimes. And so they are the diversity in the group. Yeah. And so mm. for me, I'm always, my heart breaks for those kids because right now they belong. They're just part of the group. No one sees color. Ha ha ha. You know, that whole kind of thing goes on. But the problem is one day that young black man is going to grow up and find out he doesn't belong. Mm. Probably when he decides that his, you know, friends is a friend's white uh, daughter Mm -hmm. is actually quite attractive. And suddenly, oh, you've always been one of us. Now you're not. Yes. Not on my watch. And I'm like, what are we, how are we we doing that? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say, like, as a person of color who went, who was a minority in a school, so right. I went to one of, you know, these beautiful private schools in Cape Town. <laughs> I can tell you as yeah. as the age of eight, I remember being in the bath and looking at my skin and thinking to myself, my life would be easier oh. if I had lighter skin. Yeah. And I know my mother did that because she just wanted me to have better yes. education. Good and so she made sacrifices so I could go to a better school rather than in my neighborhood. But with that came a lot of questions about my race. But because my mother is very involved in the community and we will be able to have these hard conversations, Mm. and I know it broke her heart because she, you know, she was a comrade. And so, um, (laughs) but it is important. And I I know that you are fooling yourself as parents to not think that your child as young as four, as young as six, as eight, that they're not thinking those things. Oh, no, they know. Because they see it. Oh, they see it. And they are treated differently. It might look like everyone's smiling, Mm. but there are different things. Like, Mm. oh, they might make fun of your hair. They might of your mm. ashy skin all those kind of stuff your lips your bum um, and those things come out on the playground mm. and well. we need to be a witness no, yes because there's a lot of yes and we, we're feeling it and there's a lot of passion right. and love for Jesus <laughs> and saying man there's such a lot of work that needs to be done yeah. I want to bring it back to the church yes Oh boy. So now with with the church yes now coming back to that to that question now with especially White churches saying, guys, we need to do something about this. Let's let's adopt. And with that, how much of the motivation and white saviorism and okay. the messiness? Because it's just let's 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 just adopt because then we can fix the problem. So how much time have we still got here? This is gonna be a seven part uh, podcast. <laughs> Right. So the first thing I do want to say is that there has been a big push. And I think for a lot of churches, they've seen this as an act of social justice. So if you're choosing adoption because you think it's restitution or social justice, please just stop right now. You are choosing to Mm -hmm. parent a child. This is about growing families. Amen. Some of our families look different. We cannot be pushing adoption as restitution and social justice. Social justice looks at what is causing children to be relinquished into the system. It is not choosing children. If you, I mean, Our children are not our social justice projects. Yeah, sure. I feel like I need to say that on repeat. Or charity. Or charity. Even worse. So here's my thing is children are not social justice projects. And if you have yeah. people that are wrestling with do they how do they help fix South Africa right. and are looking at adopting, let's unpack that and find someone to unpack that with. Preferably right. a person of color and Brilliant. a person who's walked the journey yeah, further yeah. down the road. Because the moment we make our children social justice projects, we put our children at risk. And that's when transracial adoption fails. That's when we want to be colorblind because the kingdom is colorblind. You know, in Galatians, it speaks beautifully about how there's neither Greek nor... (laughs) (laughs) Next part, how to do exegesis. (laughs) Those are things that I've heard said to me. Why do you talk about this? And actually, Jesus met people with that. He saw them for who they were. Why are we not doing that with our children? We teach our children to see black, red, Mm. green, We teach them all the colors of the rainbow, but the moment they notice their skin color, we get weird about it. (laughs) And the moment we get weird about it, and in the church, we are particularly guilty of this because we are all equal, because in Jesus' eyes, we are all equal. The moment we get weird about it, we stop our children from being able to talk about it. Yes, that's brilliant. Mm. And I think that's an important part of the story. Mm. And so as a church, yes, push for family. Yes. Stop making adoption the push for family. Right. Mm-hmm. So there are I've, there are different projects that I've heard about that I won't go into details now where, where children become the add-on to the story. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. They're not the add-on to the story. This is an alternate way of growing your family. Right. And the same way I heard Danny reference earlier that if you're going to choose adoption, you're choosing to parent with different skills. Yeah. If you come from a family of divorce, your children have different developmental yes. tasks. Yeah. My children... 
who I chose to adopt, they aren't adopted, they were adopted because now they're just my children. Right. They mm. have different developmental like tasks along the way to integrate. And yeah, as okay. a church, specifically, in, I go to St. John's in Weinberg, mm-hmm. we are a diverse church. Mm. Our leadership is diverse. When my son sits in church, our worship leaders are not white people. Right. Like, you know, it would be easier for us sometimes to drive to a church on the way there. Right. Which we love. We love that community, don't get me wrong. Right. But we've chosen to stay where we are, even though we've moved. Right. Because of the fact that actually we are in this multi-ethnic church. Right. And so he has friends when he turns around and says to me, Mom, like my hair's broken. It doesn't look like yours. Yeah. I can say, but wait, your hair looks like this person. And then he yes. goes, actually, my hair's beautiful because yeah. it looks, what's wrong with your hair, Mom? Exactly. Well, yeah. I did yeah. cut it all off as well. So he did really <laughs> ask me what was wrong with it. <laughs> but I think as a church, I also think we yeah. need to start unpacking yeah. And I'm speaking to a minister, a pastor opposite me. When you start unpacking the bad, two, two of you. <laughs> yep. Yay. <laughs> we need to start unpacking the bad theology around adoption yeah. Yeah. that is pervasive in our yeah. churches. Yeah. We are, we not understanding, we can understand what, through the experience of adoption, we can understand God and us coming mm-hmm. together. Sure. But that is not the same thing yeah. as taking a child yes. into a different space. And so, yeah. mm, that's good. So I think over the last 10 years, we've seen a lot of that. We've seen a lot mm. of, Families, I think mixed families can work. Yeah. Yes. They yeah. definitely can work mm-hmm. because one of the key things that I've heard um, my pastor in Joburg, as she said, I lived in Joburg for a while, and his comment to me was, or to us as a community when we were doing a thing on race, which I thought was bold, is if you want to know what's going on in your heart around race, is if your child had to marry someone of a different racial right. group, what is your heart response? Exactly. So mm-hmm. he took it back to the Mixed Marriages Act. Yeah. Or the prohibition of mixed. And he said, yeah. that that's going to tell you what's going on. Yeah, I And those that. are the things that I think white and multi, formerly white, because yeah, yeah. we're not supposed to be white only, formerly white and multi-ethnic churches, those are the questions I really would be challenging us right. to press into. Right. So how do we how do we support families to stay together? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if we can't support them to stay together, right. then we look at adoption. Right. But not... Not see it's this. not the first. It's not the first choice. No, and yes. there's organisations that we are aware of where mothers come to them in crisis, and adoption is presented as this beautiful band aid solution. Yeah, sure. And and we yeah. feel ethically that that's coercive. I mean, I'm going to put another controversial out there. Sorry, I'm going to keep putting the director yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Controversy <laughs> on Yelamenta. What is going on? What are you talking about? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, the, yeah, I mean, the, the church. The church is also, and I've heard it many times, that adoption is a solution to abortion. Wow. Yes, please, please, can oh. we stop as, that? As a woman, oh. so I'm just going to leave it there. Mm. As a woman, as a director, as a social worker, it is not. Mm-hmm. No, and I'm just going to leave it story. there and we can have another podcast. Okay. okay. Right. So, yeah. I don't want to just leave it there. <laughs> okay. I, I'm also feeling like that one needs to be no. unpacked. So often people say abortion is alternative to... Uh, adoption is not abortion. abortion. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen posters on social media where people are standing outside abortion or family planning clinics right. um, in the US specifically holding up posters saying, give me your baby, don't abort. I'll wow. choose your baby. But they'll choose that baby until that baby grows up and maybe has well, drug withdrawal or a whole bunch of, like you're either totally pro-life or you're not pro-life. Until it's a black man. Mm. Yes, black a big woman. black man or yeah. a big black woman or yeah. has hair that you're not quite sure because it's okay. different to your yeah. hair, whatever. Yeah. But the reality is the mothers who are considering abortion, we're never going to consider an adoption plan. Right. And if we can please stop doing that because the other thing it does is mm. what is that saying to my child? Mm. Yeah. Sure. What is that saying to our children yeah. right. who have whose families chose to adopt them right. or are in the system? Right. Well, at least your mom didn't abort you. Right. I guarantee that nobody wants that spoken right. over right. their lives. Yeah. Well, and, so I, I'm... I'm thinking as a, as a as a as a black man. My wife and I, um, we thinking through adopting, and one of the things that keeps us makes us keep coming back is this thing of motives. Mm. Uh, even as a guy who's who's woke, a wife who's who's woke. Sometimes I feel she's woker than I am, but you guys don't know because she doesn't post as much as I do. Um, she's doing the work. I guess she's gonna get me after this. She's gonna get me after this. But anyway, so so we 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 very conscious about about South Africa, the context, and about mm. being black in this country, and being person of color in this country. Mm. And we're thinking about adoption. We've already not already started, but we are doing it. Uh, the way black people, then yes. you mentioned this, the way yes. black people are doing it. Yeah. And we're looking at families yes. back in, in Queenstown, back in Springbok in the Northern Cape, and we've sort of adopted mm. the mm. families and the kids, and we, we're yeah. helping some people there mm. and, 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 and helping, supporting, and that kind of thing. Um, but when we're thinking about, okay, we want to make it also formal as a person of color, who's woke, I feel like I could also get it wrong. 
Yes. Of course. But you that's can. the journey because, of parenthood, yes. really. Because yeah. last. Just also motives for why am I doing this? I know, John, you can also speak to that because you, you've done it. And mm. as a white person, mm. um, what process did you, but let them first speak as to me. Like as a person color. of color going to do this. I feel like, Lord, I don't want to make this baby a project. I don't want to show them I'm more woker and I'm, I'm out there mm. and, I'm, mm. and I have my woke stripes and, and I'm... So, so maybe before you guys say this, I think even some of the motives that have been raised are motives that I would have had myself. I think sure. I've learned and grown. I think the fact that my world is diverse, the fact that, uh, you know, it, 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 that it, there's so much more going on that I've been grappling with justice issues has actually helped me. But yeah. I think some of those motives, oh, they, they sound really good motives and they're motives that I would have probably said myself. Mm. But I've learned and have grown through the journey. So this is not mm. like a... It, it, this is not a kind of like let, let's bash on everybody mm -mm. let's learn together let's grow together yes. yeah. Um, and yeah so first of all I, I want to say that there is a place for adoption mm. and adoption yeah. can work and it can yes. be successful and we've seen wonderful yeah. families and beautiful families I mean we have two beautiful families that chosen adoption right here so mm. it's amazing to see children feel welcomed and loved and know that they mm. have parents because yeah. you are the parents yeah. um, and so I think looking at the motives and especially as people of color it's going are you able to listen to all of the stuff that you need to do the grief yeah. and loss the attachment yeah. and can identity. you do it yes. yeah. identity, identity you know yes. yeah. And I think also, so there are more and more black families actually choosing yes. the legal formal route. We're yes. seeing more and more people. I recently spoke to a friend. She was the only white person in the room of her perspective adoption wow. courts. This is in Joburg. So I think that we need to recognize that there's in the informal process mm. or just the quietly part of the mm. normal mm. way of being, mm. actually. Mm. And then there is the legal side of the stuff. And if you're questioning your motives about why you're doing mm. this, I think you're doing the work. Yeah. Because yeah. adoption is complicated. Yes. Yeah. It's great that you say that because I think there's an assumption sometimes being a, a, a white parent to white children is the same as mm -hmm. being the parent to black children. And um, mm -hmm. so as a white adoptive parent, like, you know, I'm just wrestling. I mean, there's the normal kid stuff, which I guess is the same. Yes. Um, but then there's, there's all these other issues that you're thinking about adoption. So my question is, like, as a white adoptive parent, we touched on some of this as well. Like, should there be any difference uh, particularly in the way I raise my black children in a way yeah. that I would raise if I had biological children. Um, what are some of the things I, I want to be thinking about? And like I said, we have touched on some of that. Yeah, so yeah. yes and no. So I think, yes, they are. your kids are going to go through normal development issues. So they're right. going to have a bad day and they're going to say, I hate you and you're not my parent and slam the door um, when they're 13 or 15 where you want to kind of put them on an island and wait till they turn <laughs> 17 and get Which back biological here. biological children do. Yes, and yeah. biological children that. I think... The, the question that, well, what we're trying to ask parents is you need to have adoption in, in your head. Right. So you know your kids, but you also need to go, okay, it's Father's Day coming right. up. And he's now in a bad mood. Right. Why? Could it be that he's thinking yes. about his biological yeah. father? Or maybe he's just had a bad day. Right. So all of those kind of things, that's going to influence your parenting. Yes. Um, and as I said right in the beginning, um, you know, we live in a race-conscious world, yeah. and so we need to have deliberate action. Yeah. So you uh -huh. need to look at, at the places that I'm going. Is it diverse? Am yeah. I only hanging out in Constantia on a wine farm where, you know, most people are white and the right. servers are black, you know? Yes. I mean, as, as a family of color, we go there and sometimes we walk out because right. I don't want my children to feel uncomfortable. Wow. We've done it yeah. many times. Mm. And so it's looking at going, what are the spaces? What, what school are my kids going? Yes. What church are my kids going to? Who are we hanging out on a Friday mm. night with? Um, and, yeah. and, and those are really important. And yeah. to be open and communicating with your child mm. about their story. Yes. yes. Because yeah. if we keep their story oh. to ourselves, yeah. and, the, and, and this has been very controversial in all of our workshops that we've done, because we've had people go, but my son or my daughter's identity is in Christ. They oh, don't right. need to yeah, know yeah. about, you know, their story, even oh, if they con they conceive through rape. Right. And we go, no, no, no. no. And we have social workers, like, perpetuating that myth. Sure. Yes. And I'm calling it a myth wow. because the research and the evidence tells us to the contrary. Yes. Right. Adult adoptees tell us to the contrary. 
But it's, wow. a, it's a hyper-spiritualized understanding of what it means to be in Christ. Yes. Ooh. Like being in Christ somehow now negates all the material. It's nirvana. Uh, like all the made in the yep. image of God yes. creation it's, stuff that yes. God is also doing. Yes. yes. And it's like, so all my misappropriation yeah. of scripture yeah. earlier, like, really. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we're, we're going to have some words with you after. No, I'm joking. But it's that whole... I do know it was misappropriation. <laughs> I was going to say that. <laughs> yes. but, but it is important. So when you get your baby and you know their story and we, we yes. ask you to yeah. get as much information as yep. you can know about your kid and 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 do life story work with them. So yeah. from the, the, the time you get your child, tell sure. them their story mm. yeah. because it's their story. Yeah. It is it's not story. your story. Yeah. And you can wow. see I'm very passionate about it yes. because I see the hurt in kids mm. because you need to remember as the parent, you are forming trust with your child. Yeah. And when they find out actually, you know, mom was you know, used to visit me and I thought it was my aunt. Right. That is trust that you have broken with your child and you're going to do a lot more damage to your child without telling their story. So one of, in preparation for the adoption and trauma workshop that we're running tonight, one of the questions I asked adoptees was, do you Mm. think those things should go together in a sentence? And the general feedback was that the trauma isn't around the adoption. Mm. It's around the reasons for being adopted and how my parents coped with Mm. it. Yes. And how society responds. That is... Pretty much unanimous consensus everywhere, everywhere sure. we go. Uh, a same race mm. adoptee that I spoke to, so her parents never had to actually tell her, but yeah. they did tell her from when she was little, said to me that yeah. because my parents were always open about my story, it meant I trusted them and it created yes. belonging in my family. That's yeah. so true. And I think so often we think that when we do that, we're mm. going to other, but mm. we don't other. When we're honest mm. and we're open, we yeah. create yeah. inclusivity. Mm. And we're embracing. And we come back to motive. If you are considering adoption and you know that there are certain things that you are not willing to do the work to do, yes. like disclose that your child was a product mm. of rape oh. or that your child was found in a bin or that your child was abandoned, mm. you're not the right parent for that child. Yeah. And say no. Yeah. Please say no because but, you're the custodian of that story. Sure. And your children can find that information out on their own bat when they oh, are they 18. Yeah. So as parents, we are the people that are supposed to catch yeah. and help and do the, the ugly work, mm-hmm. not yeah. just the beautiful work. I, I'm just thinking like like what you're saying just about the, the hard work of parenting. And I was, we were talking about just about churches as well, where we kind of want to make adoption the silver bullet rather than, than also just thinking about holistic. Mm-hmm. And we, we just have this desire yeah. to look for the easy way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I know, you know, like, I wouldn't want to have those hard conversations and with my kids, even, and my kids don't have as much trauma in their background, but like even just talking about the fact that there's this other story is hard for me. Yeah. It's incredibly hard for me and it, it starts affecting my idols and my identity and everything. Mm. And so I have to work really hard, not just on my kid's story, but on myself. Yeah. And so I think that's where it comes down to is adoption is actually, it's not just, oh, you're doing this lovely thing out there for this yeah. sweet little child. It's actually also... Yeah, it's, it's, and, it, it works on you. Yes, and I and I want to say this, and this might I have to say and repeat, repeat, <laughs> is that when your adopted child asks you about their birth parents, yes. it is not a threat to you yes. as a yeah. parent. It's hard though. It's, it's hard, hard to believe that. It's difficult. Yeah. Yes, but I'm going to say it again. Yeah, no. Right. So when your child who you've chosen to adopt asks about their birth parents, yeah. it is not a threat to yeah. you as your as the parent or the relationship that yeah. you have with your child. It's just yeah. a natural yeah. a natural experience that children want to know where do they come from. Yeah. When I look in the mirror, do I have my dad's nose? Do I have my mom's, mom's nose? nose? When I laugh, is where does that come from? Yeah. You need to be open yeah. to communicate. And if you're there yeah. and you're thinking about it and you're like, I can do that. It might take a bit of work and might yeah. be difficult but I can do it then yes adoption is for you and there are people who will support you on that journey there are lots of us who want to support you in that process and our eyes we do that and next year we are going to do a series Mm. of how to explain and talk to your children about their details yeah and and about their life story which is really really important Uh, one of the things that I know came up for my grandmother because my mom had me also when she was very young and she had to come to Cape Town and, and from Namakwa land have to come and work here. Mm. And one of the things when I grew up, started to grow up and asked questions about mom and granny Mm. um, was when I started saying, talking about my mom, my granny actually took that as also as a threat. Mm. Sure. Mm. And she's Mm. like, but I'm your mom. Because she was functioning as your mom. She was functioning as my mom. Yeah. And that you might experience within the black family and the mm. black community. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I've heard stories of guys that I've that I've 
sort of council student at the at, at, at university and at the student student ministry, guys going for um, uh, NSFAS, going for financial aid mm. and having to fill in those forms. Yes. Yes. And then they ask, but where's your dad? Is he still alive? Mm. And then you find out, oh, daddy's still alive, but daddy's not involved. Mm. Yeah. Or mom dropped me off by granny and I have to fill in this form, but how do I? And then they get, mm. go back to that person. If he's still alive, he must support you. It's like, do you know what this means? Mm. Yeah. You are opening, you asking me to get into a whole, mm. you're opening a whole can of worms for me to go back into that world. Mm. I don't know this man. He might be alive. He might be earning what X amount, but he has well, never, he might not be earning anything. Yes. And, and he has never supported me. And then students get excluded because they can't fill in that part of the field. Sure, mm. sure. And there's a whole lot of so within the black community, and and, and and people are sitting at very at the bottom yeah. grassroots level of thinking about this whole thing and the and the complexities of that. And one of the questions I want to ask you guys is, as we as we bring this to a close is is what advice would you give to the church? How can you get alongside? ministries like Arise. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there's a couple of things and at different layers. And I think firstly, we need to redefine what adoption means. So mm -hmm. it's not just white family or family adopting small baby. Yeah. But what does it look like? And I'm saying this as an adoptive parent. What would openness look like in adoption? What would it look like for me to sure. sit with my children's birth families so that that's right. a possibility yeah. and support them so that my boys can have a relationship and that we all sit around the table? Right. My kids, as small as they are, know that they have two mothers. So he has a mom who he, he was born to and then he has me and he knows right. that and so how do we create the language that is sensitive to that in the right. church firstly yeah how do we also teach people that you don't go around asking for the details of where your child where adoptive children come from yeah. mm. so that becomes an adoptive safe place yes. because exactly mm. what you're describing with us NISFA students mm. we get as families where you'll stand and pick and pay and some random person will say to you oh do you know where his mother is if she did like my child has ears he can yes. hear you go away yeah. Like, I know that you are just curious about my family, yeah. but the impact that has on my child is mm -hmm. what matters to me more. And your nosiness is not my problem. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so as a church, how do we change that? But right. as a church, how, and I'm speaking to the wealthier churches mm -hmm. here, as a church, how do we partner with churches mm. in Hederfeld, yes. in Kailicha, in Springbok? How right. do we partner with those communities? How yes. do we partner? And what is partnership? And what is because partnership? it's not, it's not yes. just charity. Yes. It's not yes. many. And, it's not and one way. It, it's about walking a journey because the church needs to be a role model of what family is. Wow. Yeah. That is yes. my true, true yeah, belief. Yeah. That's great. And so when we start excluding people or, or trying to put the band-aid yeah. on the issue, then we're not being a healthy no. family. Yes. No. We're being yeah. a toxic family. Yeah. And yeah. so how do we be healthy families wow. within the church and how do we partner well yeah. with the churches on the other side of the railway line, right. specifically in Cape Right, Town? right. And that means that we learn from each other. It yes. doesn't mean we go in with answers. It means we're going to listen yeah. to each other. That we walk alongside each other. Right. It means that we sit and we say, yeah. Okay, so we are coming because we have resources, but what do we get from you? What do right. we learn from right. you in terms of resilience, for example? Mm. I have a friend yeah. in Manenberg who, when I listen to her stories, I'm like, how does she know to do that stuff? Like, yeah. I don't know to do this. Exactly. I don't know how to parent like that in, yeah, yeah. in the midst of sure. gang fight. Yeah, she yeah. does because she does. Yeah. And so how do we learn from each other in those spaces? And mm. I think too often justice is also in South Africa, sadly, especially in the wealthier churches, being around income yes. and being around, we have this great idea about what's going to fix your story. Mm-hmm. But again, I'm going to say it is relationship. It's all relationship driven. If, if we are truly believers and believe that the gospel needs to go out, then it's through relationship. Yes. It is not just handing a check. It's yeah. not just sending our ministers alone into communities. No. It's yeah. walking relationships. Right with people, getting yeah, to know yeah. who are these people mm. in Haderfeld, who are these people in Mitchell, Spain, how right. do we connect with one right, another? Right. Because otherwise, the inequality, especially in Cape Town, yeah, yeah. is just yeah. going to continue to grow. Yes. Because the black people, the colored people, or it's just too scary to go there. Yes. But it's actually, you don't want to get uncomfortable, is what exactly. I challenge people. That how do we start unpacking what does it mean to love your neighbor? What does wow. it mean to love the single woman coming to the church in crisis? Right. Without sending her down to like, let's go and maybe get your baby adopted or make you marry the father. Who, right. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. that's the other thing we like to do. Right. Um, yeah. Unfortunately. And that's not always the best solution. Right. Like, yes, they, they fell pregnant outside of wedlock. But right. you know what? We can still love them without yes. shaming them. 
And and there's a lot that I think that family needs. Family means that we are messy and we get dirty and yes. our hearts ache. But we don't like that in church. I know. I mean, let's be yeah. honest. We don't. And I think the more we start figuring out how to get comfortable being uncomfortable yeah. with all of this stuff, the mm. more we're going to become a functional family. That's it. And yes. the more... Because Jesus loves me when I'm particularly mm. messy mm. and foul-mouthed and yeah. Yeah. he still loves me. Yeah. There's so much in this conversation and... Um, as you could hear from from structural issues, from individual personal mm. issues, from the church, from theology, from from this is the one thing we didn't talk about really as much as the government issue and the mm. and, and, and and the new act yes. uh, on mm. adoption and and how is this affecting min, uh, ministries and organizations like Arise and mm. private adoption agencies mm. and mm. there's there's just so much that we that we can talk right. about. You wondering where where you're gonna start? Follow Arise. Check them out on social media. Partner with their events and conferences that are coming yes. up. Educate yourself. This is something that definitely my wife and I are going to be doing. We're about to sign out. I want to say thank you to these wonderful <laughs> ladies. Thank uh, you. Yeah. Danny, thank you for having us. Um, Alexa. John. Yeah. We're about to sign out. Yep. And as always, guys, you can check us out on Twitter mm-hmm. at Yella Mensa. That's Twitter at Yella Mensa. And there's lots uh, to argue about. So There's, a, there's lots can, to argue about. There's lots yes. you can... Come I, I don't know how you guys feel about yeah, this. How yeah. you gonna feel about this one? But this is this is yeah. this is this is big. This yeah. is big, uh, guys. So don't forget to follow Yenov Mensa because we're also available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Spotify. So you can go there, give mm. us your likes, give us your ratings, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. listen, listen again. And as I always say, if if you don't know how to get into the conversations with with your friends and family, use us as a way to start that conversation. Mm-hmm. Share the link. Let your friend, family listen, mm. and then then you have a wrote in so we're signing out so this audio guys was produced by exilic mm-hmm. you can find them at exilic music uh, at www.exilic.co.za mm-hmm. some guys are doing fantastic work in partnership with Isabano yeah. signing out see you guys All right we got work to do